Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At Enterprise, we know you're constantly on the move. Getting this. Thanks, Mom. Fixing that. You reach a destination. And then it's on to the next. And when life is moving at the speed of, well, life, Enterprise is right there with you. Around the corner and around the globe. We'll keep you moving forward. Enterprise. For lives in drive. The 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness is built to take you further off the beaten path. It has 9.5 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus off-road wheels, rugged all-terrain tires, and advanced dual-function X-Mode to help get you through deep snow, gravel, and mud. The 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness. Adventure elevated. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. What did Martin Brundle say when he went to London and saw Big Ben wasn't working? Is that clock? Is that clock going slowly? <laughs> <laughs> I like it because I feel like this might be a Nate original, and that's why I like it. Oh, one hundred percent is a, is a Nate original. That was from the, the Sao Paulo flight back. Ah, so it does work. There's a pattern then. Yeah, it does seem to be my <laughs> my funnier moments are at thirty thousand feet or whatever. Well, however, however high up planes go these days. <laughs> we we need to find a way to get you on a plane more often than Nate. Apparently so. Meadows looks genuinely impressed by that. I, I am. see this look on his phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. And so for listeners, just as a, you know, break the fourth wall, whatever they call it. Um, so Beretta and I are in the same room right now and recording. Mm. So I'm sat opposite him and I'm, I genuinely was looking at him like, wow, that was good. So Nate's, Nate had to like tell us that joke, knowing that we were both opposite each other to react to it. And he's on his own going like, what are they going to say? But I really like it. I, I like really, it. really like it, Nate. Like, really it was like a different it. atmosphere telling you a joke when you're both there. Because I was like, shit, like this, they're both there. <laughs> like so many bad things could happen. They could be kicking each other on the table like this is terrible. <laughs> For absolute clarity, I did not do that. So you're cool. You're cool. I know, I know that what you really want, Nate, is my score, isn't it? Absolutely. That's what I can't, that's what that's what I do these for. <laughs> so if there were decimal places. Ooh. Oh, okay. Then, well see, we're getting into half point season. Yeah, we're I a, think we're in a half point season anyway. I feel like we should do because I would give it nine point five. Oh, oh see. Nice. But because of the, that's, the that's ranking huge. system as it is, we'll have to leave it as a nine, but still strong, strong effort, mate. So it's going okay, it's going into the super episode that we will do. Very much the so. nines. Very much so. Nice. I, as soon we'll as rank you, the nines. As soon I'm as happy with that. Became a Formula One theme. I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. Nice, nicely yeah. done. I'd I'd take that and run. Yeah. I might I might next time I see Brundle as well, I might just tell it to him. See if he's see if he, see if he likes it. Can we be there when you do? Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe just you two. I don't wanna I don't wanna extend that invite out to everyone. So I don't know why I'm publicly acknowledging it on a pod. Never mind. We'll, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll do that. Moving on.
Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. Smoothly done, team. Smoothly done. Beautiful. Beautifully done. I yeah. felt under significant pressure there because I know we've done one of these live intros before. But, but you Medlin, had Medlin's in the from room. two feet away. And he's got all this tech and it just feels a bit more serious. I couldn't make eye contact with him. It was just too, was too much pressure. Um, but we got through I could, it. I could feel it from here. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. Unprecedented territory. Oh, but well done, everyone. Need a drink after that. Um, yeah, good work, team. I mean, firstly, let's get on to the person who's not in the room. Uh, Nate Saunders. You're not in the room because Lawrence Edmondson, your colleague, literally is in the room. <laughs> He's listening to two thirds of the podcast being recorded. Uh, waiting He's for listening dinner. To, to the best two thirds, I think. <laughs> I we mean, that's... all together later. Nah, he missed your joke, mate. So that's certainly not true, at least at this stage of the podcast. He just knows that it's about Formula One and it's a 9.5 asterisk, 9 out of 10. That's what, So he's going to listen later and be like, that was definitely not a 9 out of 10. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that feedback. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask you, ask you're not here, but you were in Sao Paulo. So, A, I was indeed. how shattered are you now? Pretty shattered. I just uh, I had a little nap earlier. And then because I'm shattered, I thought, what, what better way to get over that than playing squash? <laughs> so I'm going to do that after this. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty long, it's a pretty long old flight back, isn't it, from Sao Paulo to England? Bumpy as you go, well. Yeah, twelve hours back, and yeah, it was proper bumpy in the middle of the night. Um, and yeah, that's just not nice when you're sleeping and you keep like waking up. Like, is this it? Is this the end? Well, <laughs> not then, uh, not that this is a competition, Nate, but I did do a fourteen and a half hour flight over. Well, I was here about to, to say, Qatar, I do so feel bad complaining about a twelve hour flight. I feel like I uh, but then. Yeah, okay. I mean, fine. I, I had the second worst flight of the week then, Lawrence. You happy with <laughs> yes, that? You happy yes, with that? Yes, <laughs> But I was very lucky because I, I had a seat next to me, so I was able to kind of, you know, stretch out a little bit um, and have a sleep. So that kind of helped. But um, what a what a, what a weekend. I know we'll get into it, but I would I would do that flight every single day of the week if it was to come back from a race as good as that, I think. I saw how buzzing you were in the paddock, and you were super excited to be there, mate. I really was. Like Even under the mask, Lawrence was like, look, this guy's... Loving it. It was really fun. Like all three days were just, well, four days with the media day were just packed full of stuff to do. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to get into it. But um, it was like six races in one. Well, that sounds like a lot that you're going to have to condense uh, into into this. If you've only got one minute to spare, want to know who finished when and where, sit back, relax, because we got you. Here's Nate with the 60-second review. Opera Guard. And welcome to the 60-second review of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. That's the new name of the Grand Prix in Sao Paulo, which is in Brazil. <coughs> me, me, me. First place was Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. First, 20th, 5th, 10th, 1st. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that seems... <laughs> what? Guys, there's a goat in here. <laughs> Can you hear it? There's two. There's loads. There's absolutely loads of goats. This is unprecedented for the pod. I'm going to try and continue. Uh, I think I've I think I've subdued the goats for now. Uh, Verstappen was in second. Or was he? Watch this space. Bottas, Perez. Thanks for turning up, guys. Charles Leclerc in fifth. Carlos Sainz boffed off Lando Norris. I don't know if that's a word boffed, but it is now in turn one. Gasly, we love Gasly. Ocon, Alonso, eighth and ninth. Norris gained a point in tenth, but did he lose a friend in Carlos Sainz? Uh, then it was Vettel, Raikkonen, Russell. And Giovinazzi, I'm not really sure what any of these guys did. Hey, I told you to come in when I talked about Lewis. You, not Giovinazzi. How do they don't even sound the same? Get out of here! But I said to get. I said to come in when I'm talking about Lewis. You stupid goat! 
Okay, I mean, I, I'm sorry, guys. It's unprecedented. We're not going to finish the, the review. I'm being overtaken by goats. They're everywhere. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> it was it was quite tragic. They were all in my flat. Don't know where they came from. Um, I had to get pest control in. Um, yeah, unprecedented scenes. Uh, so sorry for everyone who wanted to know like 14th through to 20th, but we just didn't get there. Uh, I just need a moment to recover. My stomach hurts. <laughs> this is the great thing about so doing much. it like this is because you you guys actually have to just respond as is. Love it. Well, uh, what's actually really excited me, really excited me, is that also saved on here is something called Outtake, which again we haven't yeah. heard yet. But it's this. So this, yeah, this was something the the microphone was left on after this recording, and it captured something pretty candid. So Meadows, if you if you will. Okay. Look. If you. No. Look. Listen. I'm not happy with how that went, guys, if I'm completely honest with you. Uh, would you let me finish? Look, Maisie, Ma- Maisie, you you and Brian are going to have to sort your shit out, okay? And you, Nicholas Bleat Teefy. I mean, why are they giving you that great name? Because you're, because you're, would you be quiet? Because you're slow and you're adorable, right? But, okay, if you're just going to talk over me. I didn't even get to do the Sonoda bit. People wanted to hear about Sonoda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a little little nugget there. I thought I, you I, said I you'd been these. sleeping. <laughs> I did this. I did this when I woke up. I was inspired. <laughs> wow. I mean, that was some of your finest work. <laughs> wow, that's that's high praise indeed. We had the poem last time, and we had the the goats this time. Oh, I'm, I'm worried that the the thirty second like additional uh, sound notes are going to be uh, are going to be a running thing now because I quite enjoy them. Uh, yeah. Uh, we want more of that. Although I'm also looking forward to seeing your defence against the Max Verstappen fans, uh, who obviously will take this. Of you saying that Lewis Hamilton is very good means you automatically mm. say Max Verstappen isn't, because obviously yeah. that's how it works. Absolutely, yeah. That's that. That's exactly how compliments work, isn't it? As we all know. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Let's we can get into that later. Um, but no. What did you guys? What do you guys think? I'm, I'm not going to let the goats come back, just so people know. <laughs> oh, that, they, I'm slightly you, disappointed. You, I was kind of looking behind you. Should have seen that. You should have seen, see seen the state of my floor afterwards. <laughs> Also, Nicholas Bleat Teefy. Hey. <laughs> How cool was that? I, 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 I know he's not slow. He's slower than Russell. I should have had a goat there called Russell and one called Nicholas Bleat Teefy and said you're slower than him, to be fair. For listeners anyway. who can't see Nate's face, obviously, he's so pleased with this Nicholas Latifi gag. He's so pleased. Cheshire cat look. <laughs> you guys just talk amongst yourself. I'm just going to revel in this. <laughs> um, but no, I agree. It's um, it's a great time to be watching Formula One right now. The whole weekend, like you said, Nate had moments or talking points each day. Um, kind of a byproduct, I guess, from the sprint and having qualifying on a Friday. And more interest on that side of things. But the title race is properly hotting up now. Uh, I enjoyed that Mercedes said uh, early in the weekend, "Let's decide this on the racetrack." Oh yeah. And then uh, they've obviously requested yeah. the right to review. That's a classic case of your words coming back to haunt you, isn't it? Because um, that's pretty hard to come back from. I like I like the review. I, I get why they're reviewing it. But I agree. Yeah, I think they I think they have to, given if they feel that they've got some evidence that will change things. Well, and it's also but, because Bottas was within five seconds, wasn't he? So it's not just now. It's not just making a yeah. point, which was my first thought. It was like, well, why do you need to make the point? You won the race in the end. Like you can bring it up behind closed doors and be like, that shouldn't be allowed to pass in future. But then, actually, if he only gets a five-second time penalty, Merck gain and the constructors again. So I can see why yeah. they've done it in, on that basis. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit careful of what you say if you're not going to follow through with it. 
it's kind of it's great and it's bad it's great in the sense that you go to get like you know you guys you know what you're going to be talking about tomorrow horner and wolf are next to each other in the press conference on friday like that'll be spicy as hell oh we, we need a anyway. spicy like jingle yeah. or something that, i feel like those two just need to get they need to put like a charity boxing match on and let just just have that because that would raise a lot of money i'd pay i'd pay to see it didn't you know, they just challenge because each I feel other like, earlier this year at some point someone has brought that sort of thing up. i, I think bit, horner yeah. challenged wolf i can't remember when but yeah he he definitely mentioned that it should happen um but yeah bad in the sense that you suddenly get all these you know apparently there's all these stewards on twitter who suddenly know you know racing lines and how much you know max was turning and all this stuff and that's the whole point of the review right is so the stewards have all that information and they can look at whether max did turn in properly mm-hmm. and to be honest with you the evidence that i'm looking at is that most of the former drivers are probably saying like yeah you know max probably did drift wide but honestly it's probably a racing incident and to be honest if, if drivers are saying that then they're the guys who know how these cars drive so i lean that way it did it looked like lewis avoided a crash to me but at the same time you know they didn't crash so i suppose it's moot that he did that yeah i think when we hadn't seen the onboard like front facing on max's car originally the way the car kind of behaves when you looked at it from the offboard, you kind of thought, oh, he might turn the wheel a bit right here or open the angle to run wide. And then on the onboard, it actually didn't show that. It was that he'd mm. never really turned it that hard in. But the one thing that really surprised me from a lot of the comments, and you're right, because some racing drivers said that he definitely didn't try and make the corner. Some said, as you say, mm. that, well, it was just a racing incident, really. Is that because he breaks so late on the dirty line on the inside, Like, there's if he could just turn the wheel and make the corner then he's going to break that late every lap because it's going to be quicker. Like, clearly, mm. like there's there's a limit to grip. And whether he feels it or not, if he, if he can feel that if I turn in that far, I'm going to understeer off or the rear might come around on me or something. That's why these guys are so good. They they can feel the limits. And I don't think it's it's, it's not fair to just say, well, you should have turned the wheel more. Like, if, if a racing car responded like that, as in you just turn the wheel more and goes around the <laughs> corner more, everyone would go flat out around every corner. Like it does, there is a limit to these things. Physics do come into it. So like, I do think it's not quite as simple. Like, in a sense, only Max knows what he was feeling through the wheel and in the car to know whether he could have actually taken a tight line initially or if he was going wide regardless. And at that point, I think he said himself, didn't he, Sunday, he thought it was safer to just go wide. Uh, but I still think that admits he wasn't, you know, he went in too hot, wasn't making the corner. And it you, you can't be allowed to just redraw where you want the track to be so that you can keep someone behind you you have to stay within the bound it's like it's like um in the nfl like a, a running back deciding they're going to go out bounds to go around someone's tackle to score a touchdown and it might look great but no the, the lines are there because you have to play within them yeah. like, you can't just re- rewrite them as you go so um yeah i kind of i agree with and the uh the the need to look at it again it's just a bit strange the way it's all come about i think it's 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 annoying as well because one of the main things i don't care which way the decision went as much as the fact that every decision this year seems to take a different line when it comes to this there was the lando v perez one in austria where lando got the penalty and even like even silverstone i mean i know they're very different corners you know uh when lewis and max hit but half of that you know and half the thing that red bull were then trying to prove with albon the next week was that was that hamilton didn't take the normal line through that corner and like you've just said Meadows, like max didn't take the normal line to that corner and he went wider and Lewis was the one who avoided the crash there. So it's almost like if you're saying that that was fine, then, you know, Lewis got that t- time penalty and uh, Silverstone, you, you know, again, different parts of different regulations and stuff like that. But as soon as you start like unraveling all of this, it's just like, yeah, you just wonder where the, where the line is. So hopefully out of this review, whatever comes out of it is they have some hard and fast rule about this. And then going forward, they say, well, this is the, like the Verstappen precedent. We're sticking to this. Boom. End of story. 
It's difficult though because there's always going to be a subjective element to it, and I imagine yeah. that in the context of where we are, World Championship fight coming down to the last few races, they're not going to want it to be decided on a penalty. And and even if they say that they didn't, that didn't come into their mind. I imagine subconsciously that's going to be playing on their thought process. Um, and then I think that, like you were saying, Medland about where the line demarks the end of the track. If there was a wall there, now I know there wasn't a wall there, but if there was a wall there, then they would have both gone into the wall and we would have probably looked at this very differently. And you could say, well, okay, Max would have approached the corner differently and Lewis would have done as well. But why aren't they approaching it in the same way, regardless of whether there's a wall there or not? Because the line demarks the end of the, the circuit. And I don't think that's a fair argument. I've seen that quite a bit as well. Wow. What's interesting too We're is... Agreed. <coughs> Good we work. do agree, don't we? I'm we sure everyone agrees agree on, on all this. the contentious stuff. Yeah, everyone, everyone yeah, agrees we, with us, yeah, definitely. It was quite interesting as well that um, in the sprint race, Max on, at turn four went wide, didn't he? When he, I think he got passed by Sainz at the same point and he'd, he'd rejoined. So I think there as well, he knew that you could almost give yourself a bit of leeway and come back on the track in the way he did. Um, and I think when you're fight, the thing was as well that when Lewis did get by, he was weaving like crazy, wasn't he, to keep him behind. I think that showed you that Max's mindset was this car behind me is so fast. I've got to do anything to keep it behind me possible. So I feel like that's why as well, he was fighting that hard with Lewis. Like if, I don't know, it just seemed like Max was in the position of like, if I can keep him behind me, great, but it's probably unlikely that he's going to stay behind me anyway. So I'll make it as hard for him as I can, like to almost set a, to, I guess, lay down a marker. Like this is the guy you're trying to beat to the championship. So. I mean, it's, it's great that it's rumbling along right now as well, but this is, like we're at the next race and it's still going to be a hot talking point. But what was it like for you two? I'm going to go with Beretta first because he's next to me. What was it like being in the paddock, like chasing these, interviewing people soon after? Like what was the buzz like inside the paddock with all this kicking off this weekend or last weekend? Uh, so on on that on the day of qualifying on Friday, um, the, it was clear the Brazilian fans really tipped to Lewis more so than I think they have done. I've always supported him, but I feel like it was a, a levelled up this year. And so... Th- Above the TV pen, um, there were tons of fans kind of on balconies hanging over and the noise and the din was so loud because they were so excited that he'd got pole that you could barely hear each other when I was interviewing drivers. And then for that moment to then instantly disappear, obviously when (coughs) when they were looking into it and it was being investigated, and then kind of all of the TV cameras and all of the journalists went outside Mercedes to find out and it was one of playing the the waiting game. I think it was 11 o'clock at night that they gave up um well not gave up sorry time time they called time on looking at it that night and um they were going to look at it the next day and then so when you walked in the next day all that's all anyone was talking about was oh have you heard yet have you heard yet what they, you know what's going to happen what's going to happen and i really it's been a while Nate i think since we've been in a paddock when it's been like that right where there was kind of that's all anyone was talking about and it and i kind of felt quite lucky and quite excited to be there yeah, absolutely. It's a long time since I remember anything like that. And the weird thing was, was that on that Friday evening, I had a, I had a sit down with Lando Norris. And as I left the media center, um, I looked at my phone and that's when the summons had come in for, uh, for Lewis and for Mercedes after qualifying. And then, you know, we're looking at that and I could see journalists as we were talking, because where McLaren is for people who don't know the paddock, McLaren is the, like the third, the third along and then the next two is Red Bull and Mercedes. So all these journalists were walking past me and I was looking like, man, this is a huge story. And I'm talking, I had a great interview with Lando. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where you're suddenly working out like, this is, this is crazy. Like something big's happening. 
And Saturday morning, the funny thing was, was that I got a real sense from Red Bull. I don't know if you got the same, Lawrence, but talking to Red Bull, like they they really had no worry or concern about the Max thing. People on seemed like it took a life of its own on Twitter that Max investigation. People, were like, oh my god, imagine if they're both at the back of the grid, and it was like, well, it's only going to be like it, they're not. It's going to be a fine like that. Red Bull straight away were like, we don't think it's going to be any more than that. But there was a real sense. Everyone I spoke to at Red Bull were like, this is a big moment for us to move ahead in the championship well for max to move ahead in the championship they really felt this is it like this is the big moment lewis is at the back he might make some some ground up today but we'll get the three points on him today and then we'll finish ahead of him on sunday which i think kind of hammers home just what an amazing job lewis did but it also kind of explains why red bull on sunday when i saw the same people were a bit like oh Oh, okay. Like you could see, I think it took the wind out of Red Bull sails quite a bit the way the weekend went down, comparing them to Friday and Saturday when, um, you know, I'll say it, I think there was a bit of a smug attitude there, like, oh, look, you know, this is coming our way now. And suddenly Mercedes, especially Lewis, like dragged that back. I thought that was quite interesting, seeing the um, the body language and just the way everything changed. But it was great as well, because I think I spoke to about 10 people properly on the Saturday, including Gunther Steiner, but I was like, you know, what's the what's the precedent for somebody touching a car? You know, he gave a great answer. He's like, I don't care if you touch the car, if the part's illegal, the part shouldn't be, shouldn't be, you know, if the part's not passed the test, it shouldn't go through. But everyone else I spoke to, people had different opinions. Someone was like, I've heard, I've heard they'll both go to the back of the grid and stuff. And it shows you that a lot of the time people are kind of trying to work out as they go. Uh, and a lot of people just probably don't know what, <laughs> what they're talking about to the de- degree of, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be, but I have to pretend I know. Whereas when people ask me, I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I assume Lewis is going to the back of the grid and I assume Max is getting a fine, but I do not have a clue beyond that. And that's exactly what happened. So you knew everything, Nate. <laughs> that's the thing. But um, yeah, it's quite funny how people start asking, like, well, sometimes in those situations, won't we find other team members asking us what we've heard or what, because we're the ones who are actually chasing it. For them, they're interested, but they've got their own jobs to worry about. So they can't go searching for stuff. They can only ask every now and then, oh, do you know what's going to happen here? Or isn't this interesting? But yeah, I was... um. I was tweeting away furiously on the Friday and had got word that um, basically the Max situation was looking like it was clouding things and going to mean it rolled over to the next day. And I thought, you know, when I saw the video in the first place, I was like, if you're Mercedes, you're absolutely using that as your potential get-out clause. You're not saying that Max did do something. Clearly, like, with the way that wings are designed to withstand stuff, you know, Max almost certainly could not have done any damage and certainly wasn't trying to. But if you're trying to find a way out of of being in trouble you're just going to say well that casts a tiny bit of doubt and if you can't prove 100 percent that you know that didn't do it then you can't punish us that's how i would have done it as a if i if it was the team i worked for and i tweeted that out and originally like the amount of abuse and hate i got for it because people took it as not as oh yeah i see what your point is they took it as you're saying max tried to sabotage lewis's car how could you that's so wrong like that's absolutely ridiculous think about what you're saying like absolutely hammered at me and, you know, there's a, there's no way that would ever stand up or is going to happen. So um, I had quite a lot of um, abuse that came my way. And I'll admit, about half an hour later, we got the release that said Max had been summoned and it was going to be rolling over to the next day. And I felt so vindicated. I did do a little bit of a... I so nearly just did a told you in capital letters. And I was like, I'm not going to be quite that much of a dick, but I was close. Uh, and then I, I did kind of make the point to people, though. I just did a separate thread of tweets just saying, don't send abuse to someone who's trying to tell you what's going on or trying to help like give an opinion on what they've heard from within so that you are more informed on the outside as such like you're just trying to pass it on for free and people are giving you hate for it and I was like really like that nah, that's not cool so I, I kind of called some people out and what was really nice then was the amount of you know nice messages you get and things where people are like I oh, don't listen to it but what again it showed me and I guess I, I've always thought I'm quite lucky 
Um, and Lawrence, I imagine it might be similar for you because you've got quite a, a big social media following as well. Um, and Nate should have one with his jokes. But um, yeah, it's it was the fact that you quite often, oh, I, d- I quite often don't get too much that's abusive or negative, like headed my way. And when it does, you suddenly see like the amount of passion within people. Okay, they took it way too far, but this matters so much to some people and certain fans. And like, it just shows how much the pressure's building, the excitement's building, the interest is so high in this fight between the two. And it's on a knife edge. Right now, you can call who's going to be world champion still with three to go, even though there's a you know 14-point gap. So with this, uh, I, it just kind of reminded me, actually, of just how much it matters to so many people who aren't even the ones that are actually involved. They're just, they're just fans that are desperate to see their driver or their team win. I mean, I, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know where to go from that. Because <laughs> Sorry, it was, little rant. No, but... <laughs> I mean, I've got something similar that I thought was quite funny was, um, so I tweet, so the, the two articles I wrote on the Saturday and the Sunday were very much just focused around Lewis because, you know, he was the star of those days. He made all the overtakes. <clears throat> and the headline of our Sunday piece was um, another Hamilton masterclass, like keeps Verstappen fight alive type thing. And I kept getting messages from people being like, oh, a classic British journey, you know, all this nonsense that we always get. But And, and I, I've been saying to Meadows on those tweets you were talking about on Friday, don't rise to the, to, to the bait. And I was looking at all these come through. But one really ticked me off. He said, oh, you, you guys never write about Verstappen in the same way. So I DM'd this guy five articles that ESPN have written this year, four of them since the summer break. I was like, look at those headlines. Like one of them was Verstappen is a world champion. Like it never looked more like a world champion. Uh, like Supreme Verstappen is like untouchable in Zandvoort. And I was like, you're choosing not to see these articles that we've written. And the guy, to be fair to him, he wrote back. I was like, oh, sorry, I was too quick to jump. And I just wrote back to him like, no, but this is the issue. You've just jumped on one article that we've written and you've ignored the fact that we, we write this about all these guys all the time. And um, I didn't do it publicly. I, maybe I should have done because it would have, I feel like you could have then pointed it to other people and been like, look at this. Like, this is a good example of this. Um, so yeah, I've, I've actually made a point of deleting Twitter that since the request for review came in, I was just like, I'm getting it off my phone. I'll see it on my, on my laptop. That's fair enough. But yeah, just too many people with too many opinions. Um, and to be honest with you, like 90% of those people, I don't think have a clue what they're talking about. They've seen something on Reddit. They've seen one video slowed down or they've seen one video from one angle and they say, I know what this is about. And yeah, I just, it's it like when they're, when they're criticizing Meadows, like Meadows basically makes and breaks the news in F1, you know? So when you're, when you're actually criticizing the guy, like Meadows, Meadows basically tweets stuff and then it happens. That's the way <laughs> I see it. Like sometimes I, sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, Meadows tweeted it. Wow. And then I'll see the press release come through and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> what you mean like the right to review that I completely missed because I was on a plane with no Wi-Fi yesterday and I told everyone but about I did like, seven hours I later. That you still tweeted that as if you were like, this is why I don't like being on a plane. Mercedes have requested the <laughs> yeah. right to review. And I, was, I nearly replied like Meadows, we know, dude, we know. <laughs> but, but it's important it, I that. for Meadows' timeline to have the chronology. Because like, what if I need to go back and I need to know what happened in what order? Then I, That's true. I'd also it's continuity. Prob- I'd probably also get it led, like thrown at me that by not mentioning it, I wasn't uh, kind of admitting yeah. that Mercedes had done something or, you know, it was, or maybe I was being biased towards Red Bull because I wasn't, like bringing up that they might get in trouble more. I don't know, but I'm sure there would be a reason that it would it would show some form of bias. But um, Mr. Bretto, I, I I had um, on our running order that that there was your Brazil. Now, it, did something happen in Brazil for you that that made it your Brazil? What was what what's happened? Um, no, I think I probably just mistyped on the, on the running order. But I did I did go to Brazil, and I can't claim the country as my own. Um, but I had a great time there. It's probably even with COVID restrictions, 
um, my favourite time at Interlagos. <coughs> I thought the atmosphere, I thought the fans was great. Um, I th- this was the first year I genuinely thought that people love Formula One. When we came out of the airport and we um, would, uh, got off our flight, um, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz came out of the arrivals bit, and genuinely there were people still there after midnight there, excited <coughs> to see Formula One drivers, you know, who aren't Brazilian, who aren't the world champions or reigning world champions. And I think if you've got people who are that supportive of Formula One and, and drivers, um, you know, slightly further down the grid, I think that's a great thing for Formula One. And they've got a longer contract now, haven't they, Brazil? And we're going to be coming back for a few years. So from that point of view, I thought it was quite exciting. I did a really good track walk with Felipe Massa. I got to spend tons of time with Felipe Massa this weekend. So when I was... Um, when I was started out, first started out as a journalist, I remember the first op-ed I ever wrote was why I thought Felipe Massa deserved the 2008 um, Formula One World Title. Spicy. <laughs> the shock on Medellin's face when I said that. And Classic so I, Hamilton <laughs> hater. <laughs> yeah, I Classic. I know, I knew you were going to Why didn't Max that, deserve it, Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, how old would have Max have been then? He would have been like five or six, wouldn't he? Old enough to have won the title, Lawrence, you <laughs> yeah. hater. You I terrible know. man. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? But um, going back to Felipe Massa and uh, my love for Felipe Massa. Now, I've got, I, always, I think I've always had a soft spot for him. And um, he was in such great form across the weekend in Brazil. Um, we had a few technical difficulties when we were fil- filming the track walk um, just because of the, the free radio frequencies. And he never minded like redoing stuff. Um, so, yeah, that was just my highlight, really, from, from Brazil. But I wanted to move on because I know that Nate has got to go and play squash. Um, when Medlin turned up at, um, for this recording, he said, oh, I've got a really good story for you. And most of the time Medlin says that, he's, he's actually right. But this one I'm hoping is going to be super impressive because he's given me no details and snapped at other Lawrence when he was almost <laughs> going to give away a slight element to the story. So uh, Medlin, uh, the floor is yours. I'm as excited as you, if not more, because I'm not even here and I'm, I'm buzzing. Go for it, go for it, Medis. So it's been a busy time. Got got here late, did a lot of work last night, didn't get a lot of sleep. Uh, recorded a couple of podcasts, actually, for some other work I do. Uh, went and did my PCR test at the track, got to my hotel, and we had not long till sunset and needed a bit of time to decompress because it's been really busy recently. So uh, Lawrence Edmondson and I were like, we're going to play some golf. So we go to a nearby golf club that's not far at all. And as we drive by, you can just see a couple of people hanging out in a golf cart and I was like, that looks like Carlos. I was like, it probably is Carlos being a golf club. And then we park up and you can see a Ferrari. And I'm like, and, and uh, Edmondson saw the car and was like, oh, that's, um, you know, maybe that is his. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it was him sat in a golf cart. And we walk over and we get um, an abusive gesture fired at us from the other person in the golf cart, which is a certain Lando Norris. So yes, they are still friends, Nate. Uh, they're both chilling out there and they just finished playing. So we start chatting away. And Lando's like, oh, you, you, you guys going out? And he's like, yeah. And so they're like, what time's your tea time? I'm like, oh, we're just going to go and ask now, see what we can do going to play nine holes because it's floodlit because it's going to get dark um and they both kind of had looked at each other and I, I was like you guys want to play and Carlos was like no I need I've got an event I need to I'm going to go back to the hotel I, I think I need to go back I've got an event I was like cool and Lando looked at it and just went mm, yeah right I'll come out with you so Lando having played 18 holes uh, then joins us for another what turned out to be six because the floodlit course is six proper really good quality golf holes and it's at sunset so we played the first three or four in normal daylight with the lights coming on and the last two were dark um, and Lando would talk about how well he'd gone round. He'd, I think he'd shot 20 over par or 18 over par um, on the championship course he played Carlos at, but spoiler, Carlos had won that game. Um, so then we get up to the to the first tee, and Lando hits a pretty solid shot. Uh, Lawrence Edmondson hits a very solid shot as well, um, both in the same sort of region. 
and I barely cleared a tee box. I have a I teed it too low and tried to hit a driver, and it's all, all on the floor. And it's, yeah, it's embarrassing. Oh, anyway, man. I turn it round. Don't worry. So I turn it around to such an extent that we're going down the last. It's you know better six, and I am two shots ahead of Lando Norris. No, going down way. the last, going down the last hole, and admittedly, and I hit two good shots, and I'm just off the green. But this the rough there is very thick. Anyway, long story short. I leave myself with, he, he makes a good par, and I leave myself with a fairly tricky par that I have to hold to win it, which I leave just left of the hole. So I, I drew with Lando um, in a round of golf, and then we went round onto like playoffs. Um, and on that, someone else joined us that was just, because it was getting busy, this, this fourth random guy who I think has no idea who anyone was. So he doesn't know he's just played golf with a Formula One driver. Um, he joined us, and it was... Uh, it was okay, but I started playing badly then, and Lando played much better. So he finished ahead based on that. But the first hole was really the playoff, and I had to sink a putt to again tie, and I missed it. So that's where he really won. So I did eventually lose to Lando. Anyway, we played for long enough until he was something like, shit, I've got to go. Um, it had gone 20 past six, which was the time he was meant to be back at the clubhouse to film with Sky and Carlos and Damon Hill at a golf course. So the whole reason he stayed, with, well, one of the reasons he stayed with us <laughs> was because he, A, needed to be back there later anyway to to do another golf thing with Sky. Don't know the content, so I'll let that go. But B, because it's floodlit, he was definitely going to be playing that same set of six holes or three or however many they were going to play that he'd played with us a couple of times. Uh, so he was basically getting practice in to beat Carlos on TV a bit later, having lost to him in a proper 18. But he then had played, nice. what, 30-odd holes in, in a day. I mean, these are... He loves and, it, doesn't he? Yeah, he these are fit guys, but he, he just couldn't... You couldn't get the club out of his hands, so... Um, yeah, it was really, really good fun. Uh, Lawrence Edmondson then came back uh, and tied with me by the end of the uh, section we played. So we had a good competitive game. Uh, and I was messaging you guys from the course, not telling you what was going on, being like, sorry, can we do this a bit later? Because um, you know, I'm just, just trying to beat Lando at golf. Oh, medicine. That's fair. Okay. To be fair, usually you're late just because your time management is terrible, <laughs> but that's actually a very good reason. It was it was I, good fun. I think that's very cool. It was good fun. It's quite mean, expensive. To be fair, it would have been cooler if you'd beaten Lando. If you'd beaten Lando, that would have been much better. I won't lie. I was I was that putt, and I was like, I, if I can get to say that I beat him, I warned him as well. I was like, you know, if I think this, I think it was going down the la- just starting the last hole, and I had two shots in hand, and I said, um, you yeah, know, what he needed to do to tie it up. And I said, don't worry, it's not like tomorrow I'm going to ask you in a press conference in front of everyone how you got on in golf against me or anything like that. And uh, you could see the look on his face, like, please do not do that. So I was like, no, I won't. I'll just, I'll just say it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we won't talk about it tomorrow, but um, I thought I'd, I'd sort of say it on here. But, yeah, when I had the putt to win, I was like, it will sound so much nicer to say I won than Drew. But that was a, a surprisingly good round for me. They give you very good higher, higher clubs here, really good quality. And um, that helped quite a lot. And I played very well for me. I don't think Lando played particularly well. Like Lawrence Edmondson is much better than I am at golf. And didn't have a great time and still was like close to us and then came back and thrashed me in the last few holes we played. So, um, yeah, it was good fun for everyone, actually. It's uh, highly recommended. Golf. Wow. wow. So that, That's so a first for the Padhock. Yeah. Playing Lando at golf. It might not be the last, actually, because he just is so addicted to it. I think we will be able to drag him in any opportunity. But, yeah, so that's uh, that's why you guys had to wait for me, I'm afraid. And Nate has kind of switched off because he loves us talking about golf, don't you, Nate? Especially when he needs to go and play squash. <laughs> you, just, you, you just about you just about kept my attention with Lando, to be fair. But um, yeah, I was I was drift before you mentioned Lando. I was like, oh, it's another golf story. But no, <laughs> to be fair, if if there's got to be a golf story, then that's that's a fair one to to have on the pod. I think. Well, I think we'll leave it there on such a high point. And uh, Nate's already started changing into his squash gear, so I, you know. Well, I think I can squeeze 
two minutes just to tell a quick story oh, from Brazil to Ooh. finish out. Go on. Because then. so I obviously work for ESPN, as I say at the beginning of the, the show. And ESPN are fantastic when we go to to some countries, they say, right, we'll set you up with a driver, we'll set you up with somebody to take you in and out of the circuit. And to begin with, this was we'll get a driver to pick you up from the airport uh, and take you to your hotel. I said, perfect, because you know, you don't want it, to it's always just a bit, you know, a bit funny when you you find someone at the airport, you, you just never know whose car you get into. He turns up in like this lovely Mercedes. I was like, oh, wow, look at this, like air conditioned beautifully. Oh, yes. And he said, I'm going to pick you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he didn't pick me up in, a, in, a, in an infinite. No, it's not infinity anymore, is it? In a Honda. Mm. I nearly said infinity for Red Bull. Um, anyway, so drive me in and he says, Nate, you know, um, ESPN have said, I'll, I'll pick you up every day and take you to the circuit. And I said, perfect. Um, assuming that, you know, he was just, he would just take me in a different car. And I said, I joked to him, I was like, I don't think you should drive this car to Interlagos though. Cause you know, it's quite a rough area around there. And he laughed and said, don't, don't worry. I've got a different car in mind for tomorrow. And I thought, okay, great. Thursday comes along. I get this text saying I'm downstairs. Uh, you know, I'm ready when you are to go. And I said, perfect. This guy was Marco, absolute legend. I get downstairs. He's in a bulletproof armored Chrysler. <laughs> and so I was like, um, we going in that. He was like, oh yeah. And he kept tapping the windows. I was like, Nate, bulletproof. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, I was like, I mean, great. Does, does it need to be? And the thing is in Interlagos, like a lot of the, the, the cars that, that get attention from like gangs and stuff, aren't the Ubers or aren't like the small cars, are they? It's cars like that. So I was like, oh my word. And I just literally had, I thought if people hide, like carjack this car, they'd be so disappointed when they're like, I'm like, here's my crummy like work laptop. You guys like, you can have this, like I genuinely need to give this away anyway. So every day he was taking me in and out of the circuit like that. Absolutely great guy. But on the first day I just messaged him and I said, look, you know, I, I was kind of joking to him about the car. And I said, if you could just be subtle with it when you pick me up, that would be great. Um, and I'm going to get, I'm going to send Meadows this video and we'll put it on the Facebook. And I came out of the, of the circuit and he said, I'm on the, I'm on the road. And you guys know what I mean? That road that runs parallel to the, the gate that you get picked up, get picked up at. Look to my right, can't see a car. And I'm like, maybe he's, and he said, he said, you'll see me. I looked to my, looked to my left and just at the top of the hill, where that media accreditation center is, uh, <laughs> there's this Chrysler parked right next to this crowd of people. And he's got his lights flashing. <laughs> like, like, like as if he's like an undercover police, like a policeman, like at, attending a scene. And I was just like, Oh my word. So I walked up to this thing and I had to just like, look at everyone. I was getting to the car, opened it up, got inside. I was like, can we, can we go please? Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was just one of those weekends where I kept laughing in the car. Like this is the most ridiculous thing ever um, to get like an escort like that into the circuit. So that was great. I mean, it was fantastic. Not complaining about it at all, but not how I imagined going in and out of the circuit every day. Um, so that was fun. I just thought I'd end the, the pod on that. Uh, sorry, not as good as Meadows' story, but one I wanted to tell. About and that, I liked it, and it it would have been made better if you had actually been carjacked, um, and you could have told us <laughs> about the disappointment on the gang's faces. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite actually pleased that you weren't. Yeah, yeah, Nate me too. Carjacked would have been a great episode name, wouldn't it? But uh, <laughs> especially well, if I'd lived to tell the tale. Depends what happened so. in the story. <laughs> we'll yeah. keep we'll keep that in the back pocket for future episode. Well, I hope not. Anyway, I do have to run to squash now, guys. So this was lovely, as always. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, chaps. Remember to hit subscribe and follow us on our social channels. Nate, it's been Nate, and you can read his work on ESPN.com. Chris has been Chris, and you can read his work on Race.com. And I've been Lawrence, and you can read my stuff on F1.com. We'll do this again very, very soon. Bye.
Social Podcast Network.